thank you again, everyone, for being here. Um, like I was saying earlier, you could be doing anything today. Today is Sunday. You could be taking a nap. You could be swimming in your swimming pool. You could be playing video games, etc., etc. But you, for whatever reason, have decided to be here. And I am so glad that you've, uh, you've decided to take this time uh, to be here today. I want to welcome, if you're an elder here, if you're part of our staff, if you're a growth group leader, if you're a serve team leader, if you're a member of any of these teams, I just wanna say welcome and thank you. Thank you for being here. Now, you may wonder what this is. Like what is, how, do, how is this different than like a regular Sunday service? Well, uh, let's just say we're, we're gonna call this like family time. This is family time. This is, this is these moments that sometimes you have uh, as, a, as a family. Like if you have a family, there's sometimes moments when you just need to kind of stop and say, okay, we've been busy, we've been going to the grocery store, we've been moving all around, but let's just take a moment and let's, and let's uh, check in with each other. Like, how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? And so maybe you do this in your family, but this is what we're doing today as a church. We're stopping for a moment and we're saying, hey, how's everybody doing? How are we feeling? How are, are we moving forward? Are you guys feeling good? Are you feeling bad? Which reminds me of something that my mom used to always tell me. She would say this, she'd say, Josh, she would say, how are you doing? And I'd be like, good, I'm doing great, mom. Everything's great, you know, school's great, friends are great, this and this and that. And then she would pause and she would look at me in the eyes and she'd say, okay, Josh, now, how are you doing really? And so that's what I wanna do today. I, wanna, I want you to think about yourself a little bit right now and ask yourself the question, how are you doing? And then go a little bit deeper and say, how are you doing really? Because if I'm not mistaken, some of you guys here may, may, may feel great. Maybe you feel energized, you feel hopeful, you feel good. But I would argue that there's probably a high percentage or even a higher percentage of some of you here that aren't doing too well. You know, maybe you're feeling a, a little bit down. Maybe you're feeling a little bit confused. Maybe you're here and you're feeling, you know, just not great. And that's fine, and that's fine. Um, you know, I grew up in a church where, where, where the whole idea was, if you're not doing, if, if you're feeling down, you just gotta do more. You gotta try harder, you gotta be better, you gotta show up early, you gotta read your Bible, you gotta go to a growth group, come to church every Sunday. Like, if you're not feeling well, you just gotta do more. And so I wanna clarify for all of you guys today that that's not what this is all about I don't want you guys to get distracted because this, my, oh, there it is. It's having a little nervous breakdown over here. Um, I, want, I want you guys to know that this, this moment that we're, that we're having right now, this isn't me trying to ask you to do more. This isn't me trying to ask you to try harder. This isn't me trying to, to get you motivated and then you're going to walk out of here and you're all pumped up and like, oh, yeah, we're going to conquer the world. That's not what this is, this is all about. Um, because I don't want you guys to walk away thinking that. Because here's the thing. If you walk out of here just motivated, just motivated, that's going to be short-lived. But my, my hope is that you will walk out of here not feeling motivated, but that you'll feel inspired. Inspired. And that's completely different. I just uh, finished a, a book by uh, David Goggins. Does anyone know who David Goggins is? Okay, so he's an ex-Navy SEAL. He just uh, wrote a book called... Uh, can't hurt me and then part of the there's a section of that book that talks about his experience in becoming a Navy SEAL 
And there's this week, it's a six-day journey that they call Hell Week. And in that week, you get almost no sleep, you get very little food, it's high-intensity training, they try to drown you, they try to work you to the bone, they try to, they try to bring you to a moment to where you're so tired and you're so exhausted that you can't help but ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I even doing this? And most of them, or a high percentage of them, are going to walk away, they're going to ring the bell, and they're going to give up. Why? Because in their minds, they don't have a strong enough reason why they're there. And so I think that the same can be true in every aspect of life. Like, there's a myth about burnout, and I've talked about this before, that the assumption is that the reason why people get burned out is because they have so much to do. I got so much to do, so I get burned out. Well, that's not actually true. The reason why people get burned out isn't because they have too much to do, it is because they have no purpose in what they're doing. They can't find purpose. You could have an, a completely open calendar and be completely burned out because you're not finding purpose in the things that you're doing. Because you don't have a good answer to the why question. It's not even about, it's not even about what you do. It's about why you do it. I like to tell this story about these three guys that are laying bricks. I've told this story before. These three guys, they're laying bricks, right? And so one guy has, has a really uh, bad attitude. He's like really angry. The, the second guy, um, you know, he's just like, he's like indifferent. And then the third guy is like super happy. Like he's like whistling and he's super, he's super uh, you know, enjoying his time. But all three of them are doing the same thing. And so somebody comes up to the first guy who uh, was angry. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. Talks to the, to the second guy who's uh, indifferent. He says, well, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm, I'm uh, just earning a paycheck. Then he comes to the third guy, the guy that was all happy, you know, go lucky and whistling. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, uh, I'm building an orphanage. Okay, same activity, completely different attitude, completely different approach. Why was the uh, last person so happy? He knew he had a good why. He had a reason why he was doing what he was doing. So a, a good why will change your perspective, and a better perspective in your life will change you completely. So, so today is not about what, it's not about how, and it's not about why. We're going to talk about purpose today. We're going to talk about purpose. Um, because most people know what they do. Right? Like the, the pretty girl in the front. What do you do? Kids ministry. Okay. Um, you, sir, right there. You do a lot. Okay. Ronnie back there. What do you do? Solar. Okay. So if I ask anyone in the room what they do, they'll be able to tell me what it is that they do. Now, if I ask you how you do it, you'll be able to explain how you do it. You know, I show up at work at 8 o'clock, I check email, like I have a, a way of doing it. But the moment I ask you why you do it, like why do you do what you do, then the question gets a little bit more interesting. So why am I talking about all this? And how does this relate to church? Because when we talk about church, um, we can easily get lost in not knowing why we do what we do. Like we can easily know what it is that we do, right? What it is that we do. Most churches know what they do. Hopefully they know what they do. Uh, most churches know how they do it, right? But do they know why? 
Like if I asked any of you here, and I'm not going to put anyone on the spot, I promise. If I asked you as a church, why do we do what we do? Would you have a good answer? Okay. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Because we have to understand what we're doing. Of course, we have to know what we're doing. We have to understand how we do it. But the most important answer is why do we do it? Why do we do what we do? And so I want to start off with the vision of our church. I want us to talk about the vision of our church. Actually, I'm just going to mention the vision of our church. The vision of our church is to reach the city of Downey with the hope of Jesus. That's the vision of our church, okay? Now, you may ask, okay, that's the vision, but what do we do? What do we do? Well, that's our mission. Our mission is to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world, okay? That's our mission. Now, how do we do it? In other words, how do we make disciples who love, love God, love people, and serve the world? How do we do it? Well, we do it through, through three things. We don't do 10 things. We don't do 12 things. We don't do 15 things. We do three things. Three things. Number one, love God, which is our Sunday worship. Number two, love people, which is growth groups. And then number three, serve the world is our serve teams. Okay? That's our system. We also have core values. We have seven core values in our church. Number one, Jesus is our pursuit. Number two, hope is our flag. Number three, people are our passion. Number four, worship is our spirit. Uh, number, number five, service is our heartbeat. Generosity is our privilege. And prayer is our anchor. So we've got seven core values. So, so we know what we do. We know how we do it. But today I want us to pay attention or to think a little bit about why we do what we do. Um, have you ever stopped and just asked yourself, why am I doing this? Like in your marriage, have you ever stopped and said, why are we even doing this? Or like at your work, have you ever stopped and said, like, why, why again? Are we doing what we're doing? Like, have you, have you ever been uh, in, in church and you're like, okay, we do all these things, but why, why do we do it again? And so I want us to talk about that because the why, um, if, we, if we don't have a strong enough why as a church, we're not going to stand the test of time. We're going to fade out in time because the question of why is like a foundation. And so I want to share with you today um, not only the why of our church, but also my personal why. Because we're only going to be collectively what we are individually, right? We understand that. We can't be something that we aren't actually on the inside. Um, this is not just my personal why, but it's the why of our church. And the reason why I want to share this why isn't because, hey, I just came up with a why. This is Jesus' why. So we're adopting Jesus' why here. And this why is connected to two of our core values, which is Jesus is our pursuit and also Hope is our flag. So there are these two core values that are connected to this one verse that we're going to read here. Matthew uh, 9.36. This is, this is Jesus. He was visiting the villages and he was healing people and he was doing ministry. And he says this. He says, when he, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus saw the crowd... He felt two things. He felt compassion, number one, and then he did. Uh, he, he, he had compassion, 
Because why? Because he saw them as being helpless. So let me ask you this. When you're walking around the streets of Downey, or when you're in your car and you're looking out, or maybe you're on the freeway and you're stuck in traffic and you look at the people, what is it that you feel? Do you feel compassion? Do you look at people and just like, man, these people are hopeless, man. I'm just, I feel so much compassion for them because they're like lost sheep. Do you feel that? Or do you feel like most of us feel, which is a little bit indifferent? How do you feel when you look at people in the bank, at work, in the grocery store? You see, Jesus sees them and he has compassion on them because they are hopeless. And so, so I don't know about you, but I don't always feel compassion for people. Actually, sometimes I do feel compassion for people. How do you feel about people in general? The reason why I think sometimes we don't feel compassion for people is because we have, a bad, we have bad memory. Like we don't remember where we came from. Some of you guys know my story. I've shared it a few times. I'm going to give you the... 45 second version of my story. So, I grew up legalist, church, everything about me was church, it was all legalism, uh, it was a prison. I walked out of that prison and walked into the freedom of college life, and so I was free, right? But then I really realized that that freedom was actually debauchery, which was also a prison. So I was transferred from the prison of, um, of um, legalism all the way into the supposed freedom uh, of you know debauchery and then I realized that there were both prisons and then I ended up in an actual jail cell which God met me there and then I was able to walk out of that jail cell into actual freedom which was freedom in Christ so my story has three parts your story also has three parts it has your life before Christ it has the moment that you met Christ, and then it has your life after you met Christ. And so the reason why I share that is because have you recently tried to picture your life without Christ? Look, I try to picture my life without Christ, and I honestly don't know how I got through every, every single day. And so when I think about my life without Christ, and then I mix that with, what, with looking at people that are outside of our church or don't have Christ, all of a sudden I start to feel compassion because I remember where it is that God took me out of and the potential that God has to do that with everyone. You see, life without Christ is absurd. Life without Christ is absurd. I used to walk around carrying the weight of the absurdity of my own existence. I didn't, re I didn't realize that because I didn't want to hear it. But I realized that my life was ultimately absurd. Why? Because I could have the perfect life. I could, I could have the perfect career. I could have the perfect wife. I could have the perfect family. I could have all the money. I could have the perfect retirement. I could have all these things. I could have perfect health. But I knew in the back of my mind, in best case scenario, at the end of the day, I was going to die. And there was no hope after death. And so the problem is that, that sometimes we, we forget that that's what God did for us. We forget about that. And so when we see people, we don't see them the way Christ saw them, which is feeling compassion and realizing that they were hopeless and lost. And so this is one of the things that I want us to, 
to remember. And so, how do you feel? Like, let's, let's try to think about that. Let's try to remember. What is it that you see when you look out into Downey? When you go to the bank, when you're at work, when you're at the grocery store. You see, this memory of our life without Christ should help us to begin to feel compassion for people and to realize that they are hopeless without Christ. Now, most people, they don't, they don't want you to feel compassion for them. They don't. They want, to, they want to tell you that their life is great, that they have a perfect life, that they don't need God, that they don't need hope. They don't need your compassion. Most, of pe most people don't want to hear that they don't have hope. They don't want to hear that, okay? Um, and most people, they walk around life with earphones on, earphones on. They don't, want to, they don't want to hear that. Like in the back of their minds, inside of their heart, like they know that their life is hopeless. Without, they, they don't know that it's hopeless without Christ. They just know that it's hopeless. But they walk around life with earphones on. And these earphones are earphones of busyness. They're earphones of success. They're ear, earphones of addiction. They're earphones of hobbies. They're earphones of all these activities that they have. But there comes a moment in life, and this happens to everybody, and sometimes it happens several times. Those earphones are going to come off. And, and they come off when tragedy happens, when something unexpected happens, when somebody in their family dies, when there's some, there's some big change, or you lose your job, or you get a divorce. And so the, the earphones come off, and for a split second, they realize, oh my gosh, Everything has changed. Like, I don't know what's going to happen now. And there's this moment, and you know who these people are? They're the people that every Sunday raise their hand and say, I'm here, here for the first time. The reason people come to church, the reason why people show up at our church is because they're, they're trying, maybe they don't even know what they're looking for. Maybe they've looked everywhere, and all of a sudden they realize, I used to come to church, and I had hope, and they show up, their hands come up. Those aren't just hands that are coming up. Those are people that are recognizing that they need something that they don't have. And so I want to draw your attention to that right now. I want you to think about that. Because these people are showing up into church and they are desperately in need of a place where they can find healing, where they can find hope, where they can find connection, where they can find purpose, where they can find life. That's where we come in for these people. And that's why, that's why we are here today, then this, this group right here today. That's why I, I, I'm so happy that you're here. You see, the reason, the big why, why we do what we do, this big question that we're trying to answer is simply this. People are hopeless without Jesus. They are hopeless without Jesus. Just like you are hopeless without Jesus, and just like I am hopeless without Jesus, and so this, this, this hope, we have to understand this, this hope is not available anywhere else. I mean, you go to a psychologist, he's going to give you therapy. You go to a psychiatrist, he's going to give you a pill. You go to a nutritionist, he's going to give you a diet plan. You go to a motivational speaker, he's going to give you three steps to a better life. You go to a, to a life coach, he's going to give you a better strategy for life. None of these people are going to give you living hope. It's only available here. There's nowhere else. 
Are people going to find, all they're going to find is a, is a poor substitute for what we actually have been given to offer the world, which is living hope. We have the corner market on hope. And I hope, and this hope isn't just a feeling. This hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. You see, the, the church is still the hope of the world. Still. It's not an old, worn-out phrase. That is still true. And you are the church. You are the church. We are the church. You are the body of Christ. Um, we are hope providers. It's what we do. This is, this is why we do what we do. People are hopeless, and they need Jesus. They need Jesus. So, so desperately they need Jesus. And so... So, I want to invite you today. How are we doing on time? Still got time. Good. I want to keep my promise. Um, I want to invite you today to make that your why. Because again, I'll say what I said at the beginning. We will only be collectively what we are individually. We can't have a church that has... Um, the, the vision of reaching the city of Downey and, and knowing that Jesus is the hope of the world. Like, if that's not true for you, individually, it's not going to be true for us collectively. Um, I, have a, I have a daily routine, and part of my daily routine is I have these uh, declarations that I say over my own life. There are things about myself that I, I want to be true and I'm working on. Okay, so I, I say these. I say these to myself. I know I'm kind of weird, but I do. I, just, I admit it. Um... One of the things I say to myself every day is, is this, is say, I bring hope to everyone whenever possible. So what that means is, whenever I have an interaction with anybody, I want to walk away from that interaction and I'll ask myself this question. Did that person walk away feeling better or worse or the same? Right? And so the question, did they walk away feeling a little bit more hopeful? Did I bring the hope of Jesus into that person's life? No matter where I am, if I'm at Starbucks, Friends, Subway, whatever, in the bank, I want to know that my interaction with every single person, whenever possible, was did I bring that person a little bit of hope? Okay? And so the reason why I bring that up is, is because in this place, in this, in this church, Brothers and sisters, I hope you know this. In this church, people are finding hope. I'm going to share three quick, quick stories. I want, I'm not going to get into any detail, but three stories. Three stories. These are recent stories. Um, last Sunday, a couple comes up to me. She, they've been coming to our church for two months. For two months, yes. She, um, addicted to drugs. Him, uh, alcoholic. Uh, come to our church, they told, they told me this, I, we've been coming to this church for, for two months, and since we've been coming here, we're both sober. So they were saying, we, we got into a 12-step program, and we've been two months sober, and I'm like, yes! That, that's, I mean, that's, this is why we do what we do, okay? Second story, couple, they were about to get divorced, had a conversation with it, they started coming to church, they're going to give it a second chance, Okay? 20-year-old boy, drowning in hopelessness and despair, came to our church, we prayed over him, he found new hope, and he's doing a lot better. 
Okay, these are three examples of stories that we hear about over and over and over and over again in this church. Brothers and sisters, this is why we do what we do. We've baptized 61 people since 2020 in this church. Um, this is, there's no greater joy than this. This is why we do what we do. People are hopeless without Jesus. And so I want to take a, uh, just a little moment right now, and I just want to say thank you because as I look out into, the, into your faces right here, we, we couldn't do this without you. I mean, the reason why people are finding hope in this church is because you have decided to not just make the Sunday experience the only thing that you do, but you've gone out of your way. So everyone, if you're an elder here, if you're staff, if you're a growth group leader, if you're a serve team leader, or you're part of any of these teams, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. I, I truly, truly appreciate it because we're moving forward this vision of bringing hope to our city. And so, but there's lots more to do. Like we're just, just getting started. So I, just, I don't want to just talk to those of you who participate more than Sundays in our church. Now I want to talk to the rest, to the rest of you. And I want to invite you to be a part so, um, if you're in this meeting, and you're not an elder, you're not staff, you're not leading anything, and you're here in this meeting, I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. But this part is for you. Like this, from now on until the end, the next 15 to 20 minutes, this is for you. Um, the fact that you're in this meeting is a really good sign. Um, it means that you want to be involved. And so I want us to look at a scripture here. Acts 20.35 says this, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So think about that, and I want you to put a pin in that. Think about that for a little bit as we, as we go on. One of the big burdens that I have on my heart right now is that I want us to be a mature church. I want us to be a mature church. I don't want us to just have packed out services every Sunday. I want us to, to not only have people coming to our church, but I want us to be a mature church. Right? Okay. What does it mean to be a mature church? Okay. We could, right? we could list off a bunch of things that what, what it means to be a mature church. We have to be mature Christians first, right? Because we will only be collectively what we are individually. But what does the Bible say about being mature? So I'm going to talk about that just a little bit here. I heard somebody say that the indicator of maturity is when you have put someone other than yourself as your priority. That happens automatically when you become a parent. Like you have to put yourself aside and you have to put your kids first. But what's true as, as, a, as a family is also true as a church. I want us to be a mature church. So what does that mean? What does that mean to be a mature church? So I want to define that. So I'm going to look, we're going to look at two scriptures. Uh, first, Hebrews 5.12. It says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Can you say milk? Say milk. Milk. Milk, milk not solid food. Okay. 1 Corinthians 3.2 says kind of the same idea. I fed you with milk, not solid food. Um, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. 
Okay, so he's saying you should be teachers by now. You've been around for a while. You should be teachers by now, but you're not teachers yet. So much time has gone by, you're still drinking milk. What does that mean? Think about a baby. A baby's born, right? has to be fed from the body of the mother, right? And that's normal. There's a season for that. The, the baby is drinking from the body of the mom. And then some time goes by, and the baby, well, no longer a baby, like a, a child now can feed itself. And then by the time it gets a little bit older, it can now feed others just like the mother fed the baby, right? So there's a cycle of maturity. Same is true when we talk about the Christian life. The writer of Hebrews is saying it, and also the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth the same idea. So there's the progression in the Christian faith. So you start, a new Christian is going to come to church and needs to be fed directly from the body, right? This is a new Christian that's drinking milk. And then that Christian needs to learn how to feed him or herself, means I can now read the Bible for myself, I can understand, and I can be fed on my own. And then there's a third stage where not only are you being fed from the body, not only are you feeding yourself, but now you're feeding others. That's why the Apostle Paul is saying, by now you should be teachers, right? Feeding others means teaching, okay? And so there's this progression. Now, in church we have a problem. And I'm not saying this church specifically, I'm saying church in general. You see, if you see a 13-year-old boy drinking from the mother's breast, you're like, that's unnatural. However, you can be coming to church for 13 years and only coming to church on Sunday morning, and we call that normal. I don't want that to be normal in this church. And honestly, I'm not telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want. You can drink from, I'm not gonna, you can, like, I'll feed you, I'll breastfeed you as long as you need to. I will do it, I promise you. I will be here every Sunday. Okay, but I want you to mature. I want you to mature. And maturity is when you transition from being a taker to being a giver. That's the transition that we're talking about as we talk about this here a little bit. So what we said at the beginning is this. Is what we, here's what, here's what, we, what we fail to understand. Here's what we fail to understand. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to be a teacher than it is to drink milk. It's more blessed. Now, if you're, if you're what, it's, what it's saying here is in the Greek, it's, it's blessed means happy. Blessed means even some translations is, is worthy of envy. Like it's such a great thing. But sometimes we, we misinterpret it by thinking that that if we become teachers, or if we mature, or if we start giving, then God will be happier with you. Like if you, like God will approve of you better when you give, or like God will, you will earn more points with God when you start being a giver. It's not saying that. It's saying that you will be happier when you start giving. It is better for you to give than it is to receive. That's what the text is saying. Not that God will approve more of you. We are completely approved by God, not as a result of anything that we did, but as a result of what Christ did for us on the cross. So when we talk about being happy, saying you will be happier, you will be fulfilled. Now the problem is, if you've drunk milk your whole life, you're like, this is pretty good. 
until you taste the steak. Once you've had steak, you never wanna go back. And that's what happens when you begin to feed yourself and you begin feasting on the Word of God. And then the next step is when you're able to feed others. Like you're not just cooking this, this, this great, you know, um, barbecue, but now you're feeding your friends, you're helping people. Like there's no greater joy. And that's what he's talking about. It's not just about getting fed. It's not just about feeding yourself. It's about getting to a point where now you're feeding others. That's the definition of Christian maturity. And that's what I want us to be as a church. Um, common knowledge is if I have $10 and I give my son $10, then he's got $10 and I've got nothing, right? That's not that way in the, in the, in the economy of, of God. If I have something and I give it away, I feel so much better. Like there is no greater joy than that when you feed someone, when you give them encouragement, when you pray for them, when you give them hope, when you share a word, when you make that phone call and you bless this. Like there's no greater joy. This is what we were created to do. You were happier than you were before. And so this is an invitation for all of us here. Okay? Um, more blessed to give than to receive. And so, so for the rest of our time together, I want to I pre present you with a challenge. We've got like 10, 10 minutes left. Every Sunday, um, we talk about, if you're here for the first time, we're glad that you're here. We would love for you to make Downey First Christian Church your church. Okay, one person was listening. Your church home. And so the, the invitation for today, for all of us here, is that you will make Downey First Christian Church your church, okay? Um, what does this mean exactly? Maybe, when you, maybe there was a time in your life when you saw Downey First Christian Church and you looked at it and you were like, that church. You've never been inside, but you're like, that church. And maybe there came a Sunday and you came to church, you were on the inside. And then you were saying, maybe you started coming every Sunday or every other Sunday. And now you're saying, this church. But what I want to invite you to make this my church. You can now say this is my church. Why is it important, my church? Because it shows ownership. You're no longer a consumer. You're a contributor. And this is where I want all of us to be. I want you to be a part of what makes this place run. This thing doesn't just happen. It takes people like you and me to make this work. I want you to be a person that helps move things forward. Because maybe you, you, maybe you don't know this, but in church there's three types of people. I mean, imagine a wagon, right? And so, so some people, some people are pushing the wagon, right? Sorry. Sorry, Caleb. Most, peop most people are just sitting in the wagon and they're being pushed, right? There are other people that are pushing the wagon in the opposite direction. We don't talk about those people. We just pray for them, okay? So, so what I want all of us to be, because maybe you're here, and like I was saying before, if you just want to sit in the wagon and come to church every Sunday, I'm fine with it. This is not me pressuring you to do more. This is me telling you, you will be happier by contributing. I promise you, you will be happier. Um, 
I want you to, if you're sitting, I want you to get out and I want you to help us push. Because the more people pushing, the more people can sit, and the more people that we encourage that are sitting to get out, then we'll push. That's how this thing works. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but our church right now is being incredibly blessed. In the middle of churches declining and closing their doors, we are seeing new people at our church every single Sunday. Like, maybe, see, when you're on the inside, you think that what you're living on the inside of a church is normal. If you go to any other church or most churches, when they have one person show up that's new or they have a new family show up, they're like, whoa, I think somebody's new here. Like there's a new family and nobody knows what to do because it's so rare. At this church, I can't remember the last time when I said, if, you're, if this church is new to you, raise your hand. I cannot remember the last time that we had no hands come up. This is special. And the reason why I'm saying that this is special is because this, this, is, this is a blessing from God. But when God blesses, he calls us into stewardship. He wants us to steward well. Is that a word? Steward? Steward? Steward, steward well what he's giving us. In other words, we have to create an infrastructure of service, of leadership, that will be able to sustain the growth that God is giving us. Because if not, people are going to leave. If there's not an infrastructure that's going to be able to sustain the growth that God is giving us. And so I want us to ride this wave. I want us to be faithful with what God has given us. Okay? And so if you're here and you're just coming to church every Sunday, um, I want you to join a growth group. That's your next step. I want you to join a growth group. If, you, if you're here and maybe you're in a group, I want to, in a growth group, I want to invite you to come into a serve team. We have 15 growth groups and we have 15 serve teams. I'm gonna, so growth groups, they're all growth groups, right? We got growth groups, we talk about those, but we have evangelism team, we have worship team, we have missions, we have children's, food help, media, social media, youth, young adults, office support, facilities, welcome team, prayer, etc. We got all these teams. We need you to be in these teams. And so maybe you're here um, and you want to lead a growth group. Maybe you're here and you want to co-lead a growth group. Maybe you have another serve team idea that you have. And so I want to encourage you today to take your next step. And so I made it real easy. It says right here, I'm ready for my next step. And so I want all of you because, by the way, everyone has a next step, okay? It just, it's just a question of what that next step is. And so you're going to do the QR code here, and that's going to take you into a form. And all you're going to do is you're going to write your name, you're going to write your number or whatever information you want to give, and then you're going to write down there what your next step is. Because maybe you're here, and, and your, your next step is getting baptized. Maybe your next step is, is inviting someone to church that God has put in your heart to invite. Like, I don't know what that is, but what I do know is that God is calling all of us to be able to be the hope of the world to someone that you're, that's in your circle. So I want to invite you to, um, to take that step today. We got nine minutes left. Nine minutes left to fill. You guys here? Yeah. Raise your hand if you're not here. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Okay, so if you're going to take your next step, I want you to, um, 
to do that today. Okay? Um, yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We have a, um, a thing that we do here at church. Maybe, maybe you've heard it. People confuse this with, with growth groups. There's a, there's a growth track. Have you guys heard of the growth track? Growth track, some of you guys, not everybody. So a growth track is, is a, basically a membership class. Okay. Now, doing the growth track is not a requirement in order to be part of a serve team. It's not a requirement for you to keep coming to church. It's not a uh, requirement for you to be part of a growth group. It's not a requirement for any of that stuff. But it is an opportunity for you to get to know more about the church. And so if that's your next step, I also want you to just write it down. I want to do the growth track. Now, the growth track is really good. And the reason why the growth tra track is good is because it's like, it's like you're not going to buy a car until you test drive it, right? So maybe you see the dealer from a distance, and you're like, oh, there's a car that I kind of like. You come close to the car, and you're like, yeah, that's kind of a cool color, and I like it, but you've never test driven it before. That's what the growth track is. You'll be able to, to get to know a little bit more about the history of our church and the direction that we're going. And so if that's your next step, I want to encourage you uh, to take it, okay? We are done. We're going to pray and we're going to get out of here, okay? Uh, I hope you guys were encouraged today. I hope that you, uh, that you understand better where our heart's at and the direction of our church. And so thank you for being here. This is something that we do about once a year, and it's just kind of a reminder of the direction of our church. And honestly, we want to be a mature church. And God has placed that in my heart uh, for a while now, and uh, let's just continue to move in that direction as we go along, okay? All right, let's pray. Again, Lord God, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you, God, that you challenge us to not just be church goers, to not just be drinking milk, but you're encouraging us to begin to learn how to feed ourselves and also to learn how to feed others, Lord God. I pray that you will encourage us to understand that we aren't just a group of people that come to church on Sundays, but that we um, don't just come to church, but we actually are the church, this body of Christ. And so God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. I pray, God, that we will transition today from making this church that church to making this our church. And uh, I pray that everyone here will take the next step in their life, uh, drawing closer to you, Lord. We love you so much, and we thank you in Jesus' name. We pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it.